One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 23. Before we get into the episode, I have something that I am super excited to tell you about. If you are someone who really wants to have a business that makes a positive impact, but you aren't sure where to start, you are going to love this. I put together an amazing free guide and workbook that will help you identify what you care about and write it into a strong value statement. It also includes some fun bonus content like my 10 favorite ways that small businesses can do good and six writing rules of thumb. I used the system to write my own statement for Good Sheila, which I'll read at the end of this episode if you're curious. If you want to write your own, pick up your free workbook and guide at makinggoodpodcast.com slash goodbusiness. This guide is so useful, and I'm genuinely super, super proud of it. I can't wait to hear what you think. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Today, we are talking about wholesale. What is my experience with wholesale? Well, I started out with my stationary business, Good Sheila, and pretty quickly into it, decided that I wanted to focus on wholesale. And then when I took over my mom's shop, now I buy a lot of product wholesale. So having been on both sides of the wholesale equation as both a buyer and a seller of wholesale product, I am excited to share my perspective on this topic. In this episode, we're going to talk about what wholesale is, advantages of wholesale, who wholesale is a good fit for, the difference between wholesale and consignment, some basic wholesale logistics like line sheets, pricing, payment, tax, payment terms, turnaround time, and shipping. And then we're also going to get a little bit into marketing. So how do you get a wholesale account? How do you reach out? When you do reach out, what do you say? This episode is packed with information, and I think it's a really great one for anyone who currently or might in the future have a product-based business. So let's start by defining what wholesale is. Think about your favorite shop that carries a lot of different products. They sell products that were made by someone else, they didn't make the products themselves, and they carry a bunch of different brands. They are buying their products wholesale from those small businesses they carry, and then they resell them to their general audience. Wholesale is when you sell your product to a store or business who will then go and sell it themselves. Generally, you will sell your product to the store at 50% of the retail price. So if you make bars of soap and you sell them for $5 each on your website, you would sell them wholesale at $2.50 per bar. You might be wondering, if I'm only going to earn 50% of what I'd earn selling them myself, why would I ever consider wholesale? 
So let's get into the advantages of wholesale. There are a few main reasons why I love wholesale for product-based businesses. And the first one is much larger orders. We'll go into this in more detail, but generally when you sell wholesale, you're selling in large quantities versus selling an individual bar of soap to one consumer. Another advantage is that large volume of orders often means you can get better costs on the materials you buy. Because you can order more materials at a time, you'll often get better rates. The third advantage is you get more exposure. Your product and company will be seen by many people who would have never come across you if they hadn't entered that shop. You also don't have to manage the transaction. When you sell wholesale, the shop will pay for the whole order up front. You'll ship it to them or drop it off, and then your part in the equation is done. Finally, it helps your business grow. The more wholesale accounts I've picked up, the more my revenue has increased. When I first started Gashila, my plant-inspired stationery business, it didn't take me long to figure out that selling my products retail was not going to cut it. When I sold one individual greeting card, I'd package it and ship it out for a total sale of $6. It was a lot of effort for $6 and way too much of my time. So who's wholesale a good fit for? Because of the benefits I listed, I think that wholesale is a good fit for almost all makers. The only exception is for people who have to spend so much time creating their product that they wouldn't be able to sell it for 50% of the retail price. So this is true for very labor-intensive categories like knitting or certain types of ceramics or original art. For example, if I knit scarves and I sell each one for $90, I probably wouldn't be able to make any money if I sold them wholesale for $45. The margin just wouldn't be there. And then I want to talk about the difference between wholesale and consignment. Wholesale and consignment are not the same thing. With wholesale, the store will pay the maker in full when the products are delivered. With consignment, the store will display the items for sale, but they only pay when the products sell. Usually they do this by writing a check once every month or so for what has sold in that time frame. From the shop's perspective, consignment can be a nice option to try out a product when you don't know if it will sell or not, because there's no risk to you. You display the product, and then if it sells, you pay the maker for it. Consignment is a great option for people whose products are more expensive, so that it would be a larger risk to the store to buy them up front. If you make high-end jewelry, for example, this might be something to consider. For the maker, consignment often means that you have a lot of products that you just have sitting in someone's store, even though they didn't pay for it. You don't get paid until a customer buys. The benefit, though, to this for makers is that sometimes it helps you get your foot in the door. And also, sometimes the margins for consignment will be different. So normal wholesale margins are 50-50, and consignment margins can vary, but they're often 30-40% to 40 to the store and 60-70% to 70 to the maker. So to illustrate this more concretely, let's use an example of a candle maker who sells candles that cost $30. So if you're a candle maker and you work with a shop on a wholesale basis, you would sell the candles to the shop for $15 each, and they would sell them for $30 each, giving you each $15 for a 50-50 split. If you were to work with a shop on a consignment basis, the rate varies, so that's something that you would agree with the store. But let's say the store agrees to pay you 60% of each sale. 
So they sell the candle for $30. And then at the end of the month, they'd write you a check for 60% of that. So 60% of $30, which is $18. Personally, as a maker whose products don't individually take me that much time to make, I make greeting cards, vinyl stickers, and art prints. I will say that I strongly, strongly prefer wholesale. It's much easier and cleaner of a process logistically. And for me, the slightly lower margin is worth it. So if you have the choice, unless your margins are very, very tight, I would always go for wholesale. Now let's get into some wholesale basic logistics. The first thing is line sheets. Many people have asked me what they need in order to get started wholesaling. I will say that I've ordered from people wholesale who don't have a line sheet yet, but I much prefer and most shops will also prefer if you can send them a line sheet. So what is a line sheet? A line sheet is a simple document that you can easily put together, this is not fancy, doesn't need to be made by a graphic designer, that describes what products you sell and tells the buyer any other important information that they'll want to know about before ordering. I would suggest that you include the following details on your line sheet. All of your products, a photo of each product. Each product usually has what's called a SKU or an SKU just a unique identifying combination of letters and numbers. And if you're wondering, I had to look this up, but SKU stands for stock keeping unit. Your line sheet should include any product variant options. For example, does it come in multiple colors, types of metals or sizes? Any important terms. So if you have an order minimum, per item minimum quantities, payment terms, etc. We'll go into all of those in a minute. And then how to place the order. Do you want people to email you or do you have a special process? Next, let's talk about pricing. So I've mentioned pricing a couple times already, but almost across the board, wholesale pricing is 50% of the retail price. One thing I want to say about this is that even if you're not interested in pursuing wholesale right now, but you think you might down the road, I would strongly encourage you to factor wholesale pricing in when you set your prices. There are a lot of different strategies to setting exactly what your price should be, but a couple of places to start would be to look at what comparable products sell for from other small businesses. Don't compare your products to things that are mass produced because you can never compete with their scale. And also make sure that you're making a reasonable profit on each item you sell wholesale. Your retail prices need to be high enough that you can cut that number in half and still make a profit that makes it worth it when you sell it wholesale. And then another comment on pricing, and this is very important. The price that you sell your products for retail should be the same as the retail price you expect your buyers to use. If you sell a necklace for $50 on your website, you need to make it possible for your buyers to also sell it at that same price. Payment. There are two main ways to take payment, and which one you go with depends on how you're asking your customers to place orders. Some people will set up a whole wholesale website where their buyers can directly place their wholesale orders through a website. These websites are typically separate from their standard retail website for consumers that you would direct your retail customers to because the prices are wholesale prices instead of retail and no taxes applied. If you have a website for this, the payment will be taken when the order is placed. 
Other people, myself included, ask customers to simply send a list of items that they want to order with the quantities, and then we will put together an invoice and send it through. I send my invoices using my accounting software, Xero, with an X, so X-E-R-O. But you can also do this through Square, PayPal, FreshBooks, QuickBooks, or many other tools. Then generally, you leave it up to the buyer whether they want to pay by credit card or check. When you require that payment to be made is totally up to you. Some people require payment to be made in full before they start working on the order. Other people require full payment before they deliver the order. You'll also hear terms like net 30 or not net 60. These refer to the number of days that you can make payment after the transaction is complete. So net 30 means the buyer would have 30 days to pay after you deliver the goods to them. This is something you can consider doing if you completely trust the buyer, if they're very well established. It's pretty common with larger companies, but there's really no expectation that you need to do it. And I personally generally don't. Tax. Sales tax is a complicated issue, and most makers need to get their head around how to charge sales tax based on what their product is and where they're located. I'm definitely not advising on that, and I'm not a tax professional, so I would suggest that you consult with one before moving forward with wholesale. This does not constitute tax or legal advice, but in general, as far as wholesale goes, as long as the company that you're selling to is buying the goods for resale, so they're going to sell it later, and they have a valid resale license or reseller permit that they can send to you, any shop will have this. You do not need to charge them tax because in most states, the shop would then charge tax to the customer. Not everyone does this, but it's a good idea to make sure you get a valid reseller permit or resale license from each of your shops that carry your product. Order terms. In order to make it worth your while to sell product at the lower cost, most makers and product-based businesses have minimum order amounts, particularly for the first order, which is also called an opening order. I've seen these minimums range from around $100 to $500 or more for the first order. And note that this is the wholesale amount. The retail value of those goods would be double that. Most people have a lower minimum for reorders. I would suggest you do some research on what standard wholesale minimum opening orders are for your product type. For example, I just googled standard wholesale minimum opening order for stationery. And what came up was a lot of information that is completely in line with what I typically see and what I do for Good Sheila. Then, in addition to overall order value minimums, most companies also have a minimum quantity per style. For example, when I sell my greeting cards wholesale individually, I have a minimum quantity per style of six, meaning I require that people buy at least six of each design. A couple of notes I want to make on order minimums. First, one thing to consider with order minimums is to make sure that you have an appropriate amount of items that people can choose from. Let's say you had an order minimum of $100, but you only sell two different sticker designs for $1.50 each. That's going to require me to order a very high number of one or both of those stickers, way more than I would normally want to order. Whereas if you have an order minimum of $100, but you have 16 different designs, then that gives me a little bit more flexibility to order a more a lower amount of each design. Second, I also want to make a note that I would suggest you be flexible on these terms. It's definitely important to have terms established, but 
I usually include in my outreach messages that I can be flexible on minimums if that's helpful. I'm confident enough in my product and I know that it sells very well, so I expect that they'll reorder soon. Getting your foot in the door is important. Turnaround time. When it comes to when you deliver your product, there is no standard turnaround time. The important thing is that you communicate as much as you can about when your goods will be delivered. Obviously, the sooner the better, but as long as you set expectations with the buyer, there's no hard and fast rule of when things need to arrive. Some goods are made to order, so those can take as long as a couple of months to receive. My stationery, on the other hand, is already printed and packaged, so I can usually get it out the door within a couple of days of receiving the order. Shipping. Who pays for shipping? The short answer is usually the buyer pays for shipping, but there are some occasions when you might want to cover shipping yourself. For example, if you have a heavy or large product that would cost a lot to ship, for example, candles or pottery or personal care, if possible, I would drop it off in person. So if it's a local shop, for example, all of my local candle makers at Station 7 drop off their orders in person. I so appreciate this because the cost of shipping things that are both large and heavy is very high. Personally, for me, for very large orders, I will usually take care of shipping myself as a thank you. And one idea is that offering free shipping on orders over a certain dollar amount can be very persuasive. I have a couple of accounts at Station 7 who ship very heavy products, so I love when they run a free shipping promotion, and it always encourages me to order more than I may have been intending to. Okay, so now that we've covered a bit of logistics when it comes to wholesale, let's talk about marketing. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know that marketing is my thing, so I'm a little biased, but I believe that marketing makes all the difference. You can have the best product in the world, but if you can't get it in front of people, it's a no-go. When it comes to sales and marketing for wholesale, there's one obvious question to start with. How do you get a wholesale account? How do you get a shop to buy your goods? The answer is, you go find them. Don't wait for people to reach out to you. This might happen occasionally, but in general, you're going to have to pursue most shops that will carry your product. Before we talk about how to reach out, let's talk about finding the right shops. I want to recommend that you think really specifically about the shops that would be a perfect fit for your goods. The more specifically a good fit you can find, the better. Let's start by making a list of things that describe your business. We can use my business, Good Sheila, as an example. Good Sheila is a woman and LGBTQ-owned business. We make plant-inspired greeting cards, art prints, and vinyl stickers. My products are made in Seattle, and I donate 5% of profits to a cause I believe in. I use a lot of bright colors and white space in my designs. So I could go on, but even using that short description so far, I can brainstorm some shops that would be a good fit. Looking for shops that have things in common, I would start by thinking about flower shops, nurseries, shops that like to buy from businesses that give back, local shops that like to buy local products, gift shops that sell stationery and are looking for something a little bit different, businesses whose brands are centered around bright colors, shops that love plants, shops that have a minimalist design where my minimal designs would fit in well, 
I would think about spas that have gift shops and use a lot of natural elements in their spa products. You can get really, really creative here. And I would suggest that you spend some time on this. Do the work, not just for fun, but because we're actually going to use this information when we reach out to them. More on that in a bit. Next, let's talk about how to reach out. Email, social media, a postcard, a package in the mail, a phone call, showing up in person. There are a lot of ways these days that you could get in touch with these shops that you've identified as your top prospects. So what should you do? There's no hard and fast rule for this, but I would always start by doing your homework on the shop. Go to their website. Many shops will have details for how they like to receive inquiries from vendors. Sometimes they'll have a form on their website or an email address they'd like you to contact. This is most important when it comes to things like phone calls and in-person sales. I say this because many people, myself included, do not like phone calls or in-person sales. I've had people come into the shop trying to sell things to me, and they've stood in front of customers who are trying to get my attention and prevented me from helping them. It can also be awkward to be put on the spot. Many shops will state on their website that they'd prefer it if you don't come in and sell in person, or that you don't call and sell. So make sure to go scope out what they want you to do before you go that route. I would suggest that you view wholesale sales as relationship building. Don't just immediately jump in and ask for the sale. I would start by following them on social media, engage with their posts, repost their posts, mention them in a story. I like to think about the golden rule, showing people the support that you'd love to see. You could send them an email after you've established a bit of a rapport with them. You could send an Instagram message or even a postcard or catalog in the mail. Having a variety of touch points with your customer will help keep you top of mind. And then I want to make a comment here about follow-up. Follow-up is very important. Shop owners are super, super busy, and their attention is constantly being pulled in many directions at once. Don't take it personally if you don't hear back from them right away. Feel free to follow up after a few days or a week goes by, but make sure that you do so politely. So when we reach out to pitch our product, what do we say? This is the part of the conversation where we revisit the brainstorming we did on shops that would be a good fit for us and why. When you reach out to a shop, tell them why you're reaching out to them specifically. What is it about the combination of their store and your product that would work so well together? Why would their customers love your product? I can't tell you how many vendor inquiries I get that start with Dear Station 7, or even worse, To Whom It May Concern. This is not effective, especially when I continue reading and see that it's clear that they just copy and pasted the same message to probably hundreds of other shops. How can I tell that? Well, assuming there are no obvious issues like the wrong name of store or the wrong person's name, which by the way, I get both. I can also tell that it's a copy and pasted message if there's nothing in the email that relates to specifically to my shop. Store owners get so many of these emails. Some people get hundreds of them every week. After you've seen a few of them, it's very easy to spot who has taken the time to write you a thoughtful email because they genuinely think their product would be a good fit and who just wants to add another shop to their list and doesn't really care who it is. If you can find out the name of the shop owner or the buyer who will be reading your email, then that's even better. 
Otherwise, I would say something like, hi there, or hey, insert name of shop team. So, hey, Station 7 team. In terms of how to write your pitch, there's no one formula that works for everyone, but there is one ingredient that will make your pitch more likely to be effective. You. As in, be yourself a human, not a sales robot machine. Use words that are human. I have some really great episodes on this podcast about writing for business, and I think that they would be especially helpful as you put together your pitch. So if you're interested in some writing tips, check out episode 21, Nine Rules of Writing for Business, episode 17, Marketing Q&A, where we covered marketing versus promotion, LinkedIn, and does email really work, episode 15, How to Write Effective Emails, Episode 5, How to Use Instagram to Grow Your Business and Do Good with guest Chris Emmer. And Episode 4, Intro to Marketing, Small Business Marketing 101. I will link all of these in the show notes. A couple more quick tips for your outreach. First, I would attach some kind of quick product photo to make it easier for the reader slash buyer to get a sense of your brand and visualize how it would look in their shop. Keep your email as short as you can. Don't include long paragraphs of text. Just include the important information. If you have a catalog or a line sheet, you can attach it. Or you could also just say, I'd be happy to send over my wholesale catalog if that would be helpful. There's so much more I could say when it comes to marketing, and I'm sure I will in future episodes. Let me know if you'd be interested in that. But for now, let me give you a few other tips that I think are important. First is if your product is something that would be outside of the realm of what this shop normally carries, they might be wondering, how would I display this? You might want to think about some merchandising tips or photos in your message. Second, find every opportunity to make it easy for shops. You can send them copy describing your business that they can use on their website. You can send product photos that they can share online. Think about what you would want and see if you can provide that for them. Make it clear wherever possible on your online presence that you offer wholesale. I suggest having a wholesale tab on your website, and you might want to even mention it on your other social platforms. I have a section on my website that says stockists, and it lists the shops that carry my products, which makes it pretty clear that I do wholesale. If you haven't ever done wholesale before, don't be afraid to say that. I love it when I get the opportunity to be the first wholesale account for a new vendor that I love. I'm proud to display something new, and I'm also happy to help a new business get going. Finally, I just want to set expectations that you're going to have to do quite a lot of outreach before you start getting some yeses. People will say no, and some people might not respond at all. You can't let this discourage you. And definitely don't let it stop you from investing the time to personalize each and every outreach you do, because that's going to help make it happen for you. In general, I think the best way to understand what to do when it comes to marketing is to think of the golden rule. Treat others as you want to be treated. Put yourself in the shoes of the shop owner who you'd love to stock your product and think, what would make this person's day? Yeah, you can send them a free product as a sample, and I would suggest you do that if it's not cost prohibitive. But there are so many other things you can do that are free. You can tell your friends about the shop. You can share their content online. You can like and comment and engage on what they post. You could do an Instagram post or story about this company and why you love them. Send them a card or postcard in the mail. 
Not very many people go the extra mile, and this will really make you stand out. And that's what really it comes down to, standing out. Shops get so much outreach from vendors, but most of it is very generic, not personalized, and tends to all look the same. Be yourself, follow the golden rule, and do everything you can to do things differently and make an impression. And then I think you will see some results. All right, friends, that is the episode for today. You can find links, recommendations, and details of what was mentioned in this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 2323. I mentioned that after the episode was over, I would share the statement I wrote for Good Sheila using my free guide that I talked about a little bit earlier. So here's my good business statement that I wrote using the exercise in the workbook. If you want to see it, I'll link to it in the show notes. Share what we have. We want our business wins to be wins for the world. We donate 5% of our profits to a cause we love, rotating on a quarterly basis. This money goes to organizations supporting racial justice, protecting the earth, mental health awareness, animal welfare, and LGBTQ causes. Speak up. We won't be silent about the things that matter. We stand for building an anti-racist world, for LGBTQ equality, for women's rights, and for the empowerment of all marginalized communities. We welcome people of all races, genders, and abilities here. Spread kindness. We know that small acts of kindness add up and create ripple effects of good in the world. In our customer service, people managing, community engagement, and other business operations, we will be kind. Spend intentionally. We believe that every dollar we spend is a vote for the world we want. So we do our best to spend our money with businesses who have responsible environmental practices and have values aligned with ours. Where possible, we aim to spend with small businesses, local businesses, and businesses owned by marginalized communities. Reduce impact on Earth. As a paper company, there is an environmental impact of producing our goods. We are in the process of evaluating each step of our production, packaging, and shipping practices to minimize environmental impact and make eco-friendly decisions. If you want my step-by-step guide to help you write a statement like this for your business, grab it at makinggoodpodcast.com slash goodbusiness. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash G-O-O-D-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S. And before we wrap up, here's a fun tidbit. I'm in my basement studio in West Seattle. It is 9.30 p.m. on Monday, the night before this episode goes out. And I'm recording the last episode that I will record here for a long time. We are frantically trying to pack up our house as we are moving out temporarily while we do some work on it. And for the next six to eight months, we will be living in Tacoma. So if you're in Tacoma, send me your recommendations. We are super excited to get to explore a new city. If this is your first time tuning in and you're interested in hearing more about my businesses, check out my plant-inspired stationery company at goodsheila.com or Seattle Retail Shop Station 7 at station7seattle.com. Thank you so much for being here and for being focused on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time. 